Welcome to Movie Maniacs. Mike Rags and Chuck Curry discussing the greatest movies of all time and all the new films in theaters and streaming that you need to know about. Like us, rate us, share us. Now, here are your hosts, Mike Rags and Chuck Curry. Well, hello again, everybody. This is Mike Rags and Chuck Curry for Movie Maniacs, another edition of your podcast and radio show talking about the great movies of all time and some of that are in theaters right now. We've got lots to do today. We're going to go back 20 years to the year 2002 and look back at our 10 favorite movies from that uh, pretty good year too. putting a list together. I, I, I would say that to my I have a solid top 10. Um, we'll look at um, movie news. Heck of a lot more. We'll bring him in right now. Chuck Curry, uh, the week after the Batman comes out, how you feeling? You feel okay about the Batman and how it's performing? I think it did well. I mean, it made almost, uh, I think, $120 million in its opening frame, a three-hour film that's really dark. I got to be honest with you. I'm a little, I am sort of surprised in some way that the movie's been so embraced by mainstream because I, I like when I first watched it, I said, okay, the hardcore is going to really dig this because it goes darker than it's ever gone. But from what I read on social media, there's so many mainstream casual moviegoers seem to dig it. I watched the last hour last night again. I snuck in the back of the theater that I'm involved. We booked at Pocono Cinema. And I got to tell you, Robert Pattinson's performance, especially in the last hour and the way the movie ends, it's a very subtle he plays it very subtly sad, the character. But in the last five minutes, it has a lot of hope. And I, I think really what they're doing is, I think Matt Reeves is, it just took a shot on doing something different here. But it will evolve. And I think it's going to involve in the next installment or two, very much similar to what Christian Bale did in the in the Chris Nolan movies. Right. I, maybe, maybe removing some of the fantasy elements, if you want to call Chris Nolan trilogy having having fantasy elements but this certainly was a, a, a this the batman by matt Reeves is certainly a stripped down completely raw version of this material of anything we've seen before on the big screen most of the stuff i've heard been positive other than maybe an edit or two probably could have went in to the movie i i heard a lot of people just criticizing the fact that he just didn't edit at all um and he just put everything on the screen which for a major Maybe. movie picture like that motion picture from a studio, you're a well, little surprised. Here, you didn't say, hey, trim it down a little bit. Maybe because you know what you could have did? There's scenes because when I, on a, a repeat viewing here, I know there's scenes that play out like a 70s film, meaning there's no editing like this this stuff. There's stuff where I, I said when I'm watching it the second time. OK, like I got the point. You could you could snip a little. Like yeah. you can, you could tight, you could tighten it, but he chose not to. Did, and that's, did you, I guess it's okay. Did you see that there's a new star that's going to be a Batman? Did, did, did you happen to see the newest of Batman? Oh, that, well, key, 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 well, it's like a, what do you call it? Like a T, a, those are like a, a clickbait, right? Keanu Reeves is going to, what is he going to voice Batman? He's voicing Batman. Yeah. And, and super pets. Yeah. He's okay. so. You can add uh, Will Arnett am I, and am, Keanu am Reeves. I, am I am I supposed to jump up and down off that or what? Hey, I does it know. count? I mean, he's Batman technically. I, I, um, I guess so. <laughs> Chuck, did you get a chance to see the trailer for Obi Wan Kenobi, which hits uh, no, Disney Plus? It, it actually looks pretty darn good. Uh, of course, it's Uman McGregor uh, taking over, so it ba- basically takes part after the um, Attack of the Clones movies, this first, the second trilogy, and after that, so. Um, pretty interesting. My my daughter made a good point um, saying they're overdoing it a little bit. Do you agree? Do you think Disney Plus is they're just dipping into this? Well, a little it, bit it, too it, much. It doesn't really matter what I. it, it really matters. What your daughter says, I'm serious, because that's her generation. If she feels that way, that could be problematic. Right. Yeah, I would think so. Right. Um, she's not a core you Star you, Wars. You, you, you think she would embrace everything like give me more, give me more, give me more because she's a kid. Right. Yeah. I will say if if they had a Ray series, she'd watch that. I think it's just the fact that, you know, they are dipping into things that aren't the newest trilogy, which she really enjoyed. So I think that might be. But, part you know, of it. you know, here's the thing. That, that, and we said this so many times on this program, the reality or the fact that they get you and McGregor to do this and he embraces it is we never thought this was possible even five years ago. 
No, that's true. There's I, so I, much money. This the production value. It's the it's like theatrical production value. That his paycheck is is it the you know it's a theatrical paycheck. It's a good paycheck. I also saw the uh, Disney was having their investor day, a big con- conference, and they released the some of the first images from Pinocchio, the live action adaptation from Robert Zemeckis. Tom yeah, Hanks is Ge- Tom Hanks is Geppetto, and it makes me think. It's is great he casting, busy? Right? Yeah, it is. But is he busier now than he's ever been in his entire career? It seems that way, right? He's in, he's in that uh, he's in that what you would I guess you could say second or third stage of let's get Tom Hanks as a major supporting in some of these roles because he elevates the material name recognition. Is it he him in the movie is just going to make the movie better? Yeah, it is. It doesn't mean it doesn't necessarily mean box office gold, but it definitely makes the movie better. Um, He he has just been in almost every movie that's been made (laughs) over the past few years. Uh, It just seems that way to me. Uh, And Pinocchio, you know, Robert Zemeckis, good to see him back behind the camera as well. Um, That is good news because he really hasn't done much. As far as director, I, I saw I saw a trailer. I don't know if you saw the trailer to Nick that Nick new Nick Nick Cage movie, The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. Now mm-hmm. I heard they were going to do this. I said, oh, okay, is this one going to be like sort of a spoof on Cage? And then I watch a trailer. I got to tell you, this has a chance to connect with mainstream. This looks good, like really good. Yeah, no? he uh, he plays himself, right? I mean, uh, he plays himself. He plays himself, but he's not really over playing the top. Himself. Self, yeah, I mean. He's more over the top himself than he is as himself. (laughs) Um, It's coming out April 22nd in theaters. But again, is it really in theaters if it's, you know, a Nick Cage movie, Lionsgate releasing it? I I, I agree. I think it's there's something some there's at least some sort of something gimmicky to this one that might just work, Chuck. Um, No doubt about it. I hope for him. I hope for him. This is sort of like the second coming of, of his rolling kick ass where people realize that this guy really is a massive talent of fun. Yeah, of fun. He's a great time. He's a great time when he, he is when he's in the right material. He's just he's just a great time. Well, I think if you watch these movies that he's in and, and, and there's a lot of them, don't get me wrong. He's not yeah. phoning them in. He's at least trying no, he's to develop not. something. He's not, you know, there's a story. If you Google Nick Cage movies, you, you see the scroll on Google and it says, that he's turned out movie after movie because he had a lot of debt. Some people say IRS issues or like, I don't know if that's true or not, but it is, it is, I, I think maybe initially it was, and I, I he sort of got a, maybe addicted to just doing anything, you know, <laughs> B movie after B movie, anything like yeah. he's sort of like, cause he, he's, you know, he is the centric personality to say the least. Right. Yeah. And yeah. you could see him, how he could get hooked on this type of thing. But it we just... both said many times in his show, you know, we would have loved to see a, a sequel to The Rock with his Stanley Goodspeed character. Yeah, I it would have been yeah, incredible. I did really well. I, I agree. Um, We're not the question get that, becomes though. is, does he need Quentin Tarantino or something like that to just a really good mainstream movie where he's got a small part in it or a smaller part in it and, and he just shines and and he and he gets some sort of reacclaim back in theaters. That's that might be what it takes. I'm not sure if this will be the one. But I think that's the kind of movie he's going to need to be. The way in. the industry, maybe, but the way the industry has changed so dramatically over the last two years, I would have said an absolute yes to that question five years ago. I, I don't know what it would take. I I don't know if it takes, you know, a Quentin Tarantino project or just something like this movie that just hits a nerve and catches on theatrically. Who knows? I hope so. Yeah, Chuck. I wonder if there's any research going into to streaming places that trying to figure out when to release pretty bigger stuff on streaming services, because if you notice what comes out this weekend, there's two pretty substantial movies, but they're both on streaming. The Adam Project, which stars Ryan Reynolds, it actually looks like it's got some potential and Disney's turning red, both coming out and really the only ones that are released. So I wonder if there's any research saying, hey, look, just before spring, let's release these movies here instead of in theaters. And away we go, because those are pretty substantial stuff. Now, I don't watch as much TV as I used to. I don't. I I fully admit that I I own a few businesses. Uh, How did you know about the Adam Project? I know they did a super. Did they do a Super Bowl commercial? Netflix did, right? I think so. Yeah, Netflix did. I know about it because I have Netflix. I'm watching Netflix a lot. So is that the prime source? People who watch Netflix 
we'll find out in it because Netflix does that scroll top 10, right? Probably top 10 movies of the day, right? So I guess they hope they get some buzz, but there's not, there's not much, there's not, there's no big marketing campaigns like theatrical because we said that the average budget on a theatrical movie is over $25 million domestically, domestically. Right to to launch it's called launching it. You need twenty five million dollars to launch a big popcorn movie, right? Because if you spend one hundred and fifty million dollars plus, you got to spend mo- some money to market it. Sure, if it's theatrical. Now, you I'm assuming this movie's a hundred million dollar movie. Now, Ryan Reynolds self financed this movie with he, he with with his own production company. Right, he he was able to raise the money himself. Right, and it looks Very like it's got a ton of money behind it too. Very, very interesting. Yeah, and this and same director, Sean Levy, just signed on to Helm Reynolds Deadpool in Deadpool yeah. Three. Yeah, Deadpool so he Three. Did the free, he did. He did Free Guy. He did Adam Project. Obviously, they got a good, good collaborative working relationship. I think he was. Um, he he was a director of the Night of, of the Museum movies, right? Yes. Sean Levy, yep. I believe he yep. was. Yep. And it also stars Mark Ruffalo, Jennifer Garner. I mean, it's got it. It, it looks really good. I, I'm, I'm probably going to end up watching it tonight or tomorrow. Um, take mm-hmm. a take a look at it. Um, and, and then you got nothing Disney. To challenge, there's not, and there's nothing to challenge a Batman. The only thing to challenge a Batman this weekend in theaters is will people stay home and watch the Adam Project on Netflix? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And the weather. Well, that's sort of weird. Yeah. And the weather. Right. And the weather. Um, and then you have the Lost City coming out in two weeks uh, with uh, Sandra Bullock. And Channing Tatum, uh, and then really, I mean, Sonic the I Hedgehog guess, uh, two and Ambulance. Are, are you going to Morbius? These are movies that are coming I, I, out. I got, I, I got to tell you, like even the Sandra Bullock Channing Tatum movie, right? The Lost City. Mm-hmm. I feel in this climate of of streaming, bombarding us with streaming, it just feels it just feels harder to gain enthusiasm and excitement if it's not a Spider-Man or Batman film. Right. Am I wrong? Almost too lightweight, just, too lightweight to get people to yes. really to, to really gather in the theaters. We'll see. Maybe the trends will change. I will tell you this. Yeah. My, my AMC see. stock is, is 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 as low as it was when I bought it. <laughs> so well, okay. um, that's not a good sign. Maybe the summer it'll it'll get going again. But I mean, there's a lot going on in the world that would cause some problems with stocks beyond. Now, I, I actually saw something I want to talk about. I was flicking the channels on my Roku, right, to all my streamers and Amazon Plus. And I, I noticed, wow, the new scream is on Paramount yeah. Plus. So I said it was snow. To, it snowed today. So me, my wife and daughter had a couple hours to kill. I said, let's watch Scream 2022. And I was just in a the theater 30 days ago. Yeah, I was actually so uh, we, I was actually thinking about renting it this week, too, because it's six dollars so, to rent. So so I watched it. And I got to tell you, it's a fifth. It's really Scream Five, right? I think it's I think it's the least in the Scream franchise. It, it was watchable. It had a few good moments. The cast was some of the characters I liked, but overall, it didn't have an energy. It didn't have the energy of of the first four for me. Right. It wasn't directed by Craven because he passed. Right. And now I know it got a lot of good reviews, and there's a lot of people who really dig this film. It felt. It just felt so been there, done that. Like I've been here. Give me something new. It yeah. just felt like it felt so repetitive. Yeah. Now it was watchable. It was watchable, and the kills were nasty. Then it was a lot of stabbing. Is it rated of, R? Of, it's rated R, right? Oh yeah. Oh okay. yeah. It's the knife thing's nasty. I mean nasty. Right. But I I, I got to be honest. If I, at a, at a four stars, I give it two. Huh. Wow. Like okay. it, it was it was watchable. It had a few moments. They kill off a major character, which I'm not going to tell you, which I was like, seriously? Like, wow. come on. Wow. I, I didn't like that. Okay. I didn't like that. Um, and I don't think they use the older characters. They came and went in the movie. Like, they weren't the major focus of the film. Right. And I guess I, wa- I guess maybe I wanted that. Well, so you got to figure if they're was, ever going to re- really reboot this and, and get success, they got to eventually and it, and, and it get did, away it from those characters. The, it did not. It did not have enough humor like the other installments. No, that's not good. Not, it, and I didn't think so. It was more pure it's horror really than. Weird. It's one of the, it's it's really it's so it's sort of like I. I wouldn't call it suspenseful, although they they stretch out some of the suspense sequences, in in the film, and and some of it's good. Like I said, it's not bad. It's just not good enough. In my opinion, it's not good enough right. to relaunch a franchise. It felt like um, 
one, two, three, and four for me were better. Even four, which some people crap on. I like it. Yeah. It did, four felt so much more energetic than this film. So uh, two out of four. Okay. Slightly, I got to be honest, slightly disappointed. Not yeah. bad, though, but not good enough. Um, all right. Uh, any what, what about movie news? We have any other movie news that we wanted to talk on touch on before we move forward and start talking about the films of 2002. You have anything else you wanted to hit? Do you? <laughs> um, I think that I hit I, all the ones I was going to bring well, up. I, I got a, I got a couple this week in TV histories. Well, okay? all right. And uh, for, well, first we'll go 1987. March 8th. The last episode of the A team aired on NBC. Interesting show because Four years prior, I became like lightning in a bottle, became a big hit, like straight yep. up. And then it sort of crashed and burned. So it lasted four years. I think it rode a, it rode the wave of Mr. T. The, you know, it, it yeah, kinda, I think so. I the mean, the first three years it, it had it always it had good characters, mm -hmm. but um, I, it only lasted four years. It the seems like it was here, on longer than that, right? It does. It did. Yeah. And, 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 and in terms of pop culture, you know, Mr. T, I, I just saw him on a commercial the other day. Uh, with, with Stone Cold Steve Austin commercial, right. right? And um, he looks all right. But I, I said to my wife when I watched him, I said, you know, all these conventions they do all over the country, he could go to a convention, sit in the corner, sign his autograph, probably get 50 bucks a pop and make Pro a really good living. Probably, right? yeah. Probably. I mean, the condo bill could be paid. And that's that's one of the cool things about conventions. You know, you didn't have you don't have to be, you know, you don't have to win an Oscar to go to these conventions. And a lot of people will relish seeing, seeing you, you and pay yeah. your autograph. Yeah, absolutely. Here's another one. Uh, March 7th, 1975, the last episode aired on CBS of The Odd Couple with Jack Lemmon and uh, Tony Randall. Yep. It, st it started in 1970. Much to my surprise, it actually was 114 episodes. That's that's a sizable library. And sure you is. can watch a couple on Paramount Plus. Yeah. They have a lot of sitcoms. Odd Couple, Taxi, they have on there. I think they have I Dream of Genie. But The Odd Couple, to me, was a great sitcom because every single episode was entertaining. Absolutely. And, that, and as much as I love as much as I love Walter Matthau and, and Jack Lemon, Tony Randall and, and, uh, and Jack Klugman were better yeah. in this duo, as this duo. They will that, forever that was be. They, was, they were Oscar and Felix. In no doubt opinion. about it. And, 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 and it's comic gold. Um, outside of Seinfeld, to me, bar none, maybe the funniest pure comedy written on TV. And if you, if you, you know, one of the reasons it endears in our How hearts so much, Tony Randall, on Tony, I mean, they were both perfect. I mean, it, they just, were both perfect, just both perfect. The time, Even the, time, the way they played off each other were beautiful. Absolutely. And um, the reason why it lasts forever in our hearts is because we grew up watching it. 11, 1130. You had the odd couple yeah. and the honeymooners yep. on every night on PIX. And that's how you yes. went to bed. You know, a lot of people say they went to bed watching Johnny Carson. I went to bed watching The Odd Couple and The Honeymooners every night. And and I got to be and I got to be honest, I discovered the Twilight Zone. Yeah. On, at midnight, midnight on WPIX channel 11. Yep. Actually, I also at, at two o'clock in the morning <clears throat> on NBC, I actually discovered the Mary Tyler Moore show. I used to have insomnia. I used to stay up late and I and they used to do two episodes. This is back in the day. Of Mary Tyler Moore on Channel Four out of New York on NBC. That's and good. That That's was a good a, callback. Yeah, that was a great show. Also, I remember Sunday mornings waking up. Yeah, always an Abbott and Costello movie on. Yes, F, Tro oh. F Troop was always on F as well. Yeah. Um, and, and they would always show Mighty Joe Young on Easter Sunday. Um, I yes. mean, some and, of the and things. March of the Wooden, March of March the wooden, wooden Soldiers. Soldiers. Yeah, I mean, right. Just, at, at Thanksgiving, Christmas time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just I, I, that great brings memories. back a lot of mem that brings back a lot of memory. And and when Abby Costello meet Frank made me Frankenstein, which is to me the the all time great. I was so special to watch that. So special. Yeah, that's kind of a lost art too. You don't really see Adam Abbott and Costello movies anywhere on any of these streams either. I don't know of any of the streamings that that show Abbott and Costellos and all their movies. I actually did a, I actually did about about now. It's got to be back. Go, it's got to be going back five years. I did a revival of Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein on the big screen. I had like a hundred people. Hundred people came Absolutely out. Absolutely wonderful. That's great. It was awesome. Yeah, that's a great movie. That's a movie every generation can watch over and over and over again. Even my. You know, it's funny it. when I did those revivals. Like I never really, because the, the theater I'm involved in, we rarely ever sold advanced tickets. 
just didn't work that way. Right. So when it's when like like a half hour before it starts, you know, five people come in, ten people, to, sure, and they yeah. kept coming and coming and coming, and it was like it was a hundred. I'm like, it was. It felt amazing. That's great to, for people to come and watch that on the big screen. Is awesome. It's hard to do it with any. I mean, you'd almost have to do two of their other films, right? Because that movie's iconic. That could stand alone. But in order to do another Abbott and Costello revival, you'd almost have to pick like two of their movies and show them back to back. I don't nothing really else stands out that. Oh, my God, you got to go see an Abbott and Costello movie in the theaters again. Besides meets Frankenstein. I mean, did the mummy. They did the Invisible Man and they did all these who done it. They did a lot of great ones. But really, the one yeah. that stands out more than any. If you if you could show a if you could show a clip before, you, you maybe pull out the clip of who's on first. Who's on first? That, that's yeah. iconic. That's yeah. iconic, right? It is iconic. Yep, no and doubt they did, about I, it. Now that brings back another memory. These have a, a TV show also. Yeah, that TV that show. Aired. Yeah, it's yeah. weird though. The TV show never captured the magic of the movies. They were okay. It had moments though. It had, it had moments, moments but it never really captured the magic of the movies. Um, it's like yeah. the honeymoon. It's like the the original honeymooners episodes, like all the other lost ones. I mean, there's some funny moments in it, okay, but here, the, the magic of the you, honeymooners. If you had to pick one, one team, Abbott and Costello or Laurel and Hardy. Oh, I'm picking Abbott and Costello it, all day. Yeah, I'm okay. not. Yeah, I like Laurel and Hardy. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, but I, do that, I do too. I mean, I just grew up. I just grew up on. Uh, uh, yeah. On uh, what do you call it? Um, Abbott and Costello. Um, I like I said, thanks to WPIX because that's. I grew up Sundays every Sunday before church would be on and before yes. f- football, you'd be watching a game. So uh, before you're watching one of their movies. Um, yep. All right, Chuck, let's do fast five before we go to 2002 and the 10 best from that year. We'll start with mm-hmm. Sharon Stone, who is 64 years old this weekend. It's got to be basic instinct. No, I'm going to tell you right now. I'm going to tell you right now. It's the quick and the dead. Good one. It's so entertaining. That movie is. So, I, I remember going to the theater watching that movie. I didn't know what, exactly what to expect. I knew it was directed by Sam Raimi, so I expected something entertaining. Gene Hackman is awesome as a villain in that movie. All the cast is good, and she's she's Very just good. really good in that movie. It, yeah. it, I like. I mean, obviously, Basic Instinct made her a big name, but she was stunningly beautiful, in my opinion, in Total Recall. Hard to argue that, and you, you know, Leo's in that as Leo and Russell Crowe are in that. You almost forget that those two. Yeah, were in that yes, movie. they were. You know, uh, great, yeah. great stuff. That's a good pick. Uh, real good it pick. It is a good pick. Thank you. Um, <laughs> um, how about John Hamm? Uh, here's a guy that did great work on Mad Men, and then mm-hmm. kind of parlayed it to some comedy work. He's really a funny. lot of comedy work. Yeah, he's really well, funny he's a, in Bridesmaids. He's good in the he's good in the town, right? In, in the, the town, town, he's the cop. He's yeah, he's done some yeah, real he, good dramatic good. work too. You know, here's here's one thing about John Hamm. They talked about the possibility before they cast Henry Cavill as Superman. A lot of people were banding about it and saying, "Let John Hamm play a forty year old Superman." I would have loved to see that. I think that would be a fun. great idea, actually. You know, that would have been a real. That would have been a really good idea. I like that idea. He is going to be Fletch, right? We did. He's going to be Fletch coming up. Um, yeah. Re- kind of doing the Chevy Chase thing. So it'll be interesting what kind of turn they make on that. But he, ne- he has not materialized as an A-list lead no. movie star. No. Lead very, movie star. Yeah, very recognizable. Very dependable. Always good. But and I believe highly liked, too. Yes. Yeah. How about William H. Macy, Chuck? Obviously, really turned a, a turned a corner his career for me was Fargo, right? I mean, that's the one role that I just he's incredible. He's incredible in everything. But Fargo really put him over the top for me. You know, what other movies really good in, too, is the Lincoln lawyer as his private detective that helps him out in that film. And he's good as the pilot in the Air Force uh, Air Force One as well. Oh, he's really good. Uh, but William H. Macy, is there one that pops up in your mind that it's not Jurassic Park three. I no, mean, it's I, definitely I, you know, not that. Is he sort of like he's so he's so um he's a wuss in that movie. Yeah, and and yeah. Tia Leone's miscast in that movie. I mean, it's very watchable in the frame. It's a watchable time killer, but um, it's a misfire though. Let's face it, compared yeah, to the a, other yeah, ones. Yeah, to a point. To it's a like point. a TV movie compared to the other movies. Well, it and it also has an amazingly abrupt ending, which you talked about so many we, times uh, we on talk- this program. <laughs> We talked about all the time. It's like it's like it's like the real fell off right in the last yeah. Uh, yeah. 20 minutes. Like, where's the last real? Yeah. Uh, all the union workers that they've hit their hours and they had all went home. That's it. We're done. Nobody else can film. So we're done. Um, yep. Aaron Eckhart, Two-Face, uh, has done a lot of great work beyond Two-Face as well. 
He is a great actor. He's 54 years old, relatively young still, too. Here's another guy, much like John Hamm. Great, always good, always reliable, and pops up in these movies, but he never parlayed it into superstardom. Well, they try, they try to after listen, his performance in The Dark Knight's great. Yeah, it is. Very good. It's great. Like it's good. Heath Ledger's great. And it won an Oscar for the Joker. But he is he is equally important in that film. And he he's great in that movie. Um I, he's not he's not bankable. That's the thing. That's the problem. He's not yeah. bankable. Yeah. Um, I couldn't lead that all-star cast in a disaster movie, The Core. Remember that disaster with and him then and he Hillary did that, that alien invasion. He did that alien invasion movie, which which sucked. I Remember will tell you one? this: he's a better president yeah. in peril than Jamie Foxx is, and Olympus has fallen in those movies. I think he's actually pretty good as uh, yeah. President Benjamin Asher. Uh, yeah. But but it it does make you wonder when is he ever going to get to that next layer of movie no, stardom? He's not. I don't think um, so. It would happen. It would happen ten years ago. Go ahead. I saved this one for last because we could probably have an extended discussion on it a, l- a little bit here. He's eighty-two years old this weekend. Walker, Texas Ranger guy, Chuck Norris, eighty-two. Who would have thunk it? Now I knew we were going to talk about this, and I was actually going to text you and say, "Let's do a whole segment on him." Yeah. I mean, I I hear here's the thing. When I saw he was eighty-two, the I I was like. I took a deep breath. I got to be right. honest with you. Right. And right. it's almost hard to believe because, you know, I grew up on Chuck Norris. Sure. You know, I, remember, did. Yeah. I, I, I remember going to a movie theater with my friend and, and my brother had a, an issue, a medical issue uh, when I was a young kid and I was very nervous. And I remember going to see uh breaker breaker. I know he's a little <laughs> schlocky and I like, okay, but like, um, well, the Silent Rage is great. Uh, Silent Rage is so much fun. Yeah, the, the movie he the, the movie he did with the with with uh, David Carradine, uh, 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 Lone Wolf McQuaid. Yep, Lone Wolf McQuaid is that really movie's good. terrific. That movie's actually terrific. You know what's uh, underrated? And um, and well, I and, the, and listen, the, I love the Delta Force. I, I listen, yeah, I know you I do. Love, give me and I love that score. The Delta yeah. Force is is so exciting. His pairing with Lee Marvin is so cool. Yeah, like it's smart. Like, OK, because I know they tried to get Charles Bronson to pair with him and the deal fell through. So then they got Lee Marvin. I think it was Lee Marvin's last movie. Lee Marvin was iconic. And like yeah. to pair them two, to pair those two, uh, that movie, that was a, that might have been the best canon movie. Maybe uh, I actually Delta enjoyed. Force. I think Code of Silence is really good. It's he good because he ends up with Andrew Davis. Directed. Yeah. Yeah. In and Chicago. Some good movies. And listen, he had a great run on Walker, Texas Ranger. He had sure a did. great run on that show. It was very sure, successful. Sure and did. And that show and made him a lot of money. Almost 200 episodes. Um, I also enjoyed the Missing in Action movies. I know even Braddock, the last one, for some reason, I, I actually thought that was actually pretty good. Um, you know, Invasion USA. His, I remember seeing his, it. Yeah. I remember seeing that in the theaters. What's yeah. that? His infomercials. His infomercials. Yeah, yeah, his infomercials, the exercise uh, ones and even his little quick role in the Expendables, too. I mean, it works because all everybody else How, is in you, it. You know, here's, here's what's interesting. It, I, I, I hate to, I, I'm going to talk about this subject. I don't always like to talk about it when I watch Scream. Right. Yeah. And I see and I saw that Courtney Cox and Nev Campbell. Getting There's old. something interesting about people getting old, getting old right? on, on screen. Okay. Right. I knew you were going to bring um, this up. OK. And you haven't seen Chuck Norris. You really haven't seen him. Like, I don't know what kind of physical shape he's in mentally. Right. I don't know. Right. But 82 is 82 is not 70. It's really starting to get up there. Sure. And 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 it is hard to believe that he's 82 years old because he was a prime. He's a big prime part of pop culture back in the day. And those jokes about, you know, the Chuck Norris jokes. That yeah. you hear on the internet, yeah. you know, yeah, what he ones. can do and nobody else can do. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. COVID took on Chuck Norris and COVID's in bad shape, you know, yeah. like yeah. That, that stuff, the fun stuff. Yeah, it's um, good stuff. Did he yeah. ever do a movie without the beard? I don't I don't think so. Think so. Of course, he's yeah. also got the very funny cameo in Dodgeball that leads to maybe the best and last line of the movie as well. That's really hysterical. Of course, that's he judges. So he, funny. He, he judges. He gives it the thumbs up and they get to the play. I mean, it's so stupid. Only he could outdo William Shatner with the cameo. And, and it was just perfect casting. Really, really, really funny movie. But yeah, 82, um, only yep. 44 screen credits, Chuck. If you look at his IMDb, yeah, okay. 
only 44 and that counts as TV work. So, um, he yeah, it's kind of listen, the, the, the one, here's the one thing we, okay. It is a saying in the industry, there's actors and there's movie stars, right? Mm-hmm. Now, certain people, now this is the difference between Aaron Eckhart is obviously a better actor. He's an actor. Than Chuck yes. Norris, right. But Chuck Norris had an intangible, where he can connect with a mass audience or the audience that, that followed him. Well, right? plus he could do a roundhouse kick. I mean, he was a, he can't, there, no, there I was, get it. So, yeah, there was that and, too. But, but, but the, the, these, these certain people, Van Damme had it right. Nobody's yep. going to make mistaken for a thespian, but you watch a movie like sudden death yep. and you're like, you just, you go along for the ride with him man. you, he, you're on his back. You're, you're rooting for him. Well, you know, and I bring up the it's roundhouse acid. kick I, and, and there's one thing to be, Don the Dragon Wilson and Jeff Speakman. And there's another thing to have some sort of screen presence and be able to hold your own. And then you turn into Chuck Norris and Steven Seagal. There's a reason why these guys, you know, stood out than the other guys. And and Chuck Norris definitely had screen presence. And and there there always is. And, you know, they they tried everything. You don't get to that level of success if you don't. Yep. And, And it's funny, too, because if you look at Chuck Norris's career, he did a lot of what Schwarzenegger did. He did the, you know, he did the kid movie, did sidekicks. He did the Hellbound. Yeah. He did a movie with a dog, too. Like he they tried, they ones. tried to do so many one. different things. Right. Yep. None of them really did anything. But his, but his core stuff. Yeah. Is, 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 is still holds up as good entertainment. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. No doubt about it. All right, Chuck, let's go back to 2002, 20 years ago in uh, movie theaters. Uh, pretty good. And Chuck, what I noticed about my list is maybe three or four of my favorite directors are all on this list with one of them having two movies in my top 10. And it just goes to show you how uh, diverse this one director is, Chuck. And let's start with my 10 through six. And you let me know your thoughts on these. All right. Don't don't skip over these. These are important. I want you. I want I want to know what your thoughts are. Uh, I started at number 10 with the documentary film Bowling for Columbine, which holds up still today about um, how we live in fear most of the time. And it's basically because of what the media has done to us in bowling for Columbine. Obviously, you know, Michael Moore's movie. I didn't put on my top 10, but I, I, that's close. I, I, that listen, that movie's incredible to watch. I like, I like Michael, Michael Moore's early stuff is all good. Yeah. Real good Uh, stuff. We both have any, I still have any, I I don't like what he did with Charlton Heston. Charlton Heston. uh, Yeah. It was tough. The last reel is tough. I don't like that. No, I I know. I'm on record to say that pisses me off. I don't like that. I thought it was a low blow and it was unfair. Having said that, I, I, he's, his still powerful, powerful movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah. My number nine is an underrated Steven Spielberg movie. A lot of people have problems with it, but I thought it moved along very briskly. It's a good action movie. And that's Tom Cruise in Minority Report. It's a thin script, but it's great special effects, a real good chasing in the middle. I'm a big fan of Minority Report. And a good I'm score. not. Uh, I know I'm you're not. not. I, I, a lot of people yeah, don't okay. like it. Um, My number yeah. eight is a small horror movie, uh, The Mothman Prophecies, which we both like. Oh, a lot. I like that, too. Richard Gere and yeah. uh, Lori Linney about uh, a supernatural uh, uh, entity that's actually wreaking fear in a small town. And Richard Gere's trying to figure out what's going on. Real good. Dude. Directed by Mark Pennington, who really hasn't done a lot of work. But remember, I loved his Arlington Road, too. And they were back to back, really good directed movies. That's my number yes. eight movie. My number seven Hey, people forget Ben Affleck was Jack Ryan as well. And I thought he did a pretty darn good job, too. And the sum of all fears a really yeah, like scary political action movie with Morgan Freeman um, directed by Phil Alden Robinson, who did Field of Dreams. Real good job. Uh, and I thought it was a very powerful movie with a, a nuclear bomb scene that really you, you don't see coming from anywhere. Uh, a real good action movie. And he only did the one and done for the sum of all fears of Jack Ryan. But I thought he did a pretty darn good job. And Lee Schreiber is really good in a smaller role in that. Um, and my, my number, list, I agree, though. and my number six is uh, uh, Christopher Nolan's Insomnia, which takes place up in Alaska. Al Pacino trying to find a, uh, Robin Williams, a serial killer with Hillary Swank. Can't That's sleep. My number 10. I love that movie. Really done. It's well, a very good movie. And it's kind of a lost classic, too, because it, you don't really see it talk much in Christopher Nolan's backlog. But that's a great movie. So my 10 and through six is Bowling for Columbine, Minority Report, The Mothman Prophecies, The Sum of All Fears, and Insomnia. Good way to start, don't you think? It's re- really good list. Really good list. Insomnia is my 10. What I like about this movie, two things. 
it, it, it sort of started the evolving of Robin Williams in a little bit of a different direction in his career, playing a, a creepy villain. And Al Pacino's really good in this movie, and he looks good. And he's low-key in it, too. He's, he's not yeah, who and, I... and, and, and this setting, you know, ins- to have insomnia is an interesting subject matter for a lead character. And let's also face it. This was like right around when Hillary Swank was winning the Academy Awards and yeah. was starting to get some momentum. She's really good in it's this a good, film. It's a good it's a good. I didn't see this in a the theater, but I did. I watched it on DVD and it hooked me. I liked it a lot. OK, that's my number 10. Number nine. Uh, I, I think a terrific sports movie, The Rookie with Dennis Quaid. That almost playing, made my uh, list. Good flick. Uh, J- James, he played a, a character, a player named Jamie, Jamie Morris, who was a high school science teacher that gets a tryout. He threw over 90 miles an hour. Wound up pitching as a relief pitcher for one, I think, one season for the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, this is a really good movie. Dennis Quaid's really good in it. It's a good story. And uh, it's extremely, and I mean extremely watchable. I, I loved it when I watched it in a the theater. And when it comes Big hit, cable, too. Big hit. Yeah, and it deserved to be. Uh, number seven, a horror movie that I saw in theaters. I, to this day, I still like it a lot. It's Eli Ross Cabin Fever. Oh, good. Uh, really I, liked, good I, I really like this movie. And this is what horror movies really should be about. You go to a theater, you discover something. Discovery. It's all about discovery. It, it, I, like, I, I, I didn't really know what to expect. And the movie completely hooked me. And I was involved. It, it was a little creepy. It was it was it was funny. Remember the scene? Pancakes, pancakes like that. Where the hell is this coming from? Yeah, but it was like he drew different things in there. But it's a good entertainment. And it felt uh, like a it felt like a small budget, small actors, a little deliverance thing to it, too. Yes, Real good stuff. That's a so. really good movie. Almost made my okay. list. So number seven, Red Dragon, uh, which is a Silence of the Lambs prequel. They brought Anthony Hopkins back. Ralph Fiennes plays a, a, a serial killer called a Tooth Fairy. And Edward Norton's really good. This movie was directed by Rhett, Brett, Brett Ratner, who a lot of people know is Brett Ratner's a yeah, hack. But, yeah. but this movie's this movie is if you like Hannibal Lecter, this is a good movie. It's stylized, that's for sure. It's done real well. Um, and my number and my number six would be Martin Scorsese's Gangs from New York, specifically because Daniel Day Lewis is awesome. Is over Bill the top. Yeah. In this movie, yeah, yep. oh, he's over the top. Uh, another movie that probably could have used an edit or two, but um, it's good. It's entertaining. Didn't make my list, but. It, it is quite good. There's no doubt about it. All right. So I have Spielberg on my list. I have Christopher Nolan on my list. I got to get David Fincher on my list. And that's my number five, Chuck. I really enjoyed Panic Room, Jodie Foster, and, and actually a very young Kristen Stewart as her daughter in this film being terrorized by Jarrett Leto, Forrest Whitaker. It's my number, it's and, my number three. And, and, and Dwight Yoakam, of course, who's really, really good in this Dwight Yoakam. Um, this is scary. I got a question for you. I got a question for you. Be honest. When you first saw this movie for the first time and you yeah. saw Kirsten Stewart is her daughter. Didn't you think that was a boy? At first, I thought it was a boy. I mean, but they make it clear early on that it's a girl. But yeah, yeah. but it, it, yeah, I know it, it's sort of like it, very interesting. And just I like that movie a lot. He just knows how to tell a story. David Fincher in and in in the mood he covers in this film is just perfect. And she does a rollicking good time in a performance like this, too. And and always Forrest Whitaker. I mean, there's another guy, Forrest Whitaker. Can you go wrong casting him in any movie, no. Chuck? I mean, no. let's face and, and it. Ba- and back in this time period. If you were going to pick an actress to lead a movie, you'd go, okay, Julia Roberts, Jodie Foster. Yeah. Just, she's such a great lead. She's such a great lead. Great lead and some really good scenes in this too. And Jarrett Leto, uh, an- again, another unrecognizable performance that he does a really good job. I love that movie. Uh, and it's a good, scary movie too. It's scary as well. So that's my number five. And it's uh, your number three. What's your number five? My number five is, uh, is uh, Spike Lee's 25th, 25th hour. With Edward Norton. I like this movie. Look at I you with Ed Norton all over your list. Yeah, what? I, I, interesting. I didn't see this in the theater, but I remember watching it on DVD. And I was like, wow, this is a really good movie. It's about a, uh, he plays a character who's he his last weekend of freedom before he goes to jail. Right. And, and it's, it's an exploration of, of his of his of his life. And it deals with fear and human nature. And I just thought it was a really interesting journey. And I think it's an underrated, one of the best films in the biography of of Spike Lee. I liked it a lot. Yeah, I liked it. Didn't love it. I liked it, though. Real good performance by Ed Norton. No doubt about it. Um, Mm -hmm. Chuck, my number four is the trilogy of great M. Night Shyamalan movies. But you're seeing a little bit of the phrase in it. 
but for some reason, I love Signs. It's got a great yeah, score. Me too. It's got yeah, real it's good. My perfor- number two, I put it as two. Number two. Uh, it's got real good performances by Mel Gibson and, and, and Joaquin Phoenix. But what I like most about it, well, you know, it's scary. It's got the alien stuff. And when the alien walks across the TV screen, still one of the scary moments of all time. Yeah, and, and when, I remember watching in a theater for the first time. And I agree. It starts to stretch the rubber band of silliness a little, a little bit. At the bit end. A little bit. You know, swing, swing. Okay. With the bat. Yeah, swing away, but, swing away. Yeah. But when you, I remember watching it for the first time and it kept my sense of wonder. Yes. Of what was going to happen? Yeah. And I like that. You and don't see that enough. And something else that he, the overtones of religion and the conflict yeah. in a, one person's mind about religion, that, that really Mel sets Gibson the movie apart. The, having Mel Gibson is the lead in an M. Night Shyamalan movie was pretty cool. Really cool. Uh, and and yeah. the kid and Abigail Breslin and Rory Culkin mm-hmm. are good, too. They're really Very good, good. To the kids. Um, yep. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's not it's like a, we talked about it when we first saw it. It's really a Twilight Zone episode for two hours. You know, oh, it's yeah. small in scale. You don't really see what's going on around the world outside of that TV screen. Um, right. But it's really effective. And he really tricked us a lot with some good camera movements and stuff where it really showed how good he could be. But at the same time, if you give him a little bit too much freedom, he'll run amok. And M. Night Shyamalan after that ran amok with the village and and the the, the movie about the wind that could kill that. What's that one? Uh, the, the the event the, the, happening. The, uh, the, happening. the happening. Oh, my. He, they really and listen. He, he, he bounced back with split, but. I'm still so pissed off what he did with glass. I mean, it's like, it's almost unforgivable. I didn't see his latest one. You just have to have someone standing next to him saying good idea, bad idea, because if you just let him do whatever he wants, he's going to, he's going to misfire. There's no doubt about that. Let's be honest. In the beginning of his career with, uh, the Sixth Sense and Signs, everybody was saying this is the next Spielberg. Yeah. Sixth Sense. And, and, uh, of course, uh, the the unbreakable and signs there's three movies right there that's a good trilogy if you would have stopped there we would you know i love but unfortunately we didn't I, yeah we didn't and it is what it is all right my what's number your number four, four? My, is a spielberg movie uh catch me if you can it's my number two DiCaprio. actually yeah you my talk number two. About it. it's, I, it's very good tom hanks Great story. Good, uh, good adaptation about that story. A guy who's forging and it, checks. It, it, and it's, it's based on a life. true story, correct? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Which is really interesting. And but there are people like that out there. Absolutely. There are people who, who are who are who balls to walls, chance takers and con people and and, and, and sociopathic. And, and it's a really good it's a really good character study of a very interesting person. Uh, DiCaprio is so good in it, too, as the lead actor and. Uh, Christopher Walken got an Oscar nomination as his dad. It's really good. But let's face it. I've got here. It, it goes to show you again, Spielberg, right? Um, I know you don't mm-hmm. like Minority Report, but in one calendar year, he puts out Minority Report and Catch Me If You Can. You, know, you got to remember, this is a and guy. They're, and they're different. I know. Very different. And, you know, the same guy that did Schindler's List and Jurassic Park in the same year. He's not I afraid to work and he finds I, great listen, product. I think I don't care who you are. Well, let's be honest. There's two great in our in our lifetime. I would put three filmmakers: Spielberg, Scorsese, and Cameron. Right, uh, three iconic filmmakers. Absolutely. I, I think Scorsese is stuck to a certain genre or a certain tone. Right. Right. Style. Definitely a different certain style. He's not directing right? Jurassic Park six. That ain't no, gonna happen. No, he's not. And but Spielberg is bounced around. It, it is really interesting if you look at the entire bio uh, 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 career of Steven Spielberg. His early stuff, like that first quarter of his career, is so iconic. Like it's hard to it's hard to it's hard to to get that level of greatness throughout. And he's done so much good work, oh. but to match Jaws and Close Encounters, you know, in Raiders, ain't easy. No, but in the middle of his career, he had Schindler's and Jurassic. No, you know, I get that. So, and and then now later on too, he, he can still bring out these movies: West Side Story, Ready Player One. I mean, these are still mm-hmm. great movies. He keeps coming out I with agree. it's kind of incredible. Um, yeah. And he had two in two thousand two that I was a, a real big fans of. All right, so we're kind of jumping around here. I think we did your number three, right? What was your Panic Room? Panic and we did Room. My number two signs. All right, my number three because my number two is uh-huh. catch me if you can was yeah. uh, the movie adaptation. We talk about Nick cage. Um, okay. This is a very good movie about a guy trying to write a book. Um, he plays twin brothers in this film. Um, he's a little overweight, 
great performances by Meryl Streep and uh, and of course, uh, Chris Cooper, who uh, who's just every bit as. But he's really the crux of this entire film. He's so good in this film, Chuck. Um, it's over the top. It's funny. It's thrilling. It, it's uh, it, and it's a real good character piece as well. Of course, Cooper won the the best supporting actor award for that. And, as you know, Charlie Kaufman, who's a little out there, the writer and Spike Jones, the director, you're going to get a little out there movie. But this movie's really good, Chuck, and I can watch it over and over and over again. It might be the last great serious Nick Cage movie at the theater where he's not, you know, you know, eating bugs and doing over the top stuff where he's actually really putting in a killer, killer performance here. And I love him in this film adaptation. Uh, one of the best films of the year for me, the third best film of 2002. My number, my number, listen, I went with a number one that I just enjoy. And I think we Sam both have the Spider-Man. same number. Yeah. Spider-Man's number one. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a terrific origin story. I love Tobey Maguire in the lead. It's just, it was just highly enjoyable. And, uh, you know, it's one of those movies when it came out, you, you, you were saying, I, I hope Raimi gets this right. And he did. Oh, he got it right. And then some for sure. Yeah. Um, he got the casting, right. He got the mm-hmm. action, right. The score is right. I mean, is that, Where's the flaws in this movie, Chuck? There are none. Uh, There's flaws in three for sure. But and two is two is the, you know, gone with the wind of the series. Yeah, two is perfect. But this is a perfect origin setting. Um, And again, the innocence of Tobey Maguire. You know, we we talk about how Tom Holland, how good he is. And we all enjoyed it. And, you know, we think he's the perfect Spider-Man. But when when Tobey Maguire shows up in, in, in the latest Far From Home, there's something about that magic he captured when we first saw him in 2002. He's going to be, he's going to be, oh, I, I'm telling you over time, he's going to be looked at the same way people look at Michael Keaton as Batman. I, I agree. And I almost felt that yeah. way. I felt bad praising Tom Holland so much when I saw Tobey Maguire back in the role again, and then going through this list again, he's just, he's perfect. And, and it, you, you almost forget James Franco's in this film and Kirsten Dunst yeah. and because of the performance of Willem Dafoe, and and uh, and Toby McGuire give and some iconic and scenes Mace, and action. perfectly cast. Yeah. And so is Cliff Robinson. I mean, oh, and, and yeah, with the immortal Ben with the immortal lines, you know, he's, of, he's a great Uncle Ben. Great. Yeah, it, it, it's just a perfect movie. You know, I didn't struggle at all putting this at number one. I know some people might find flaws in it, but it was the biggest movie of the year. And for a reason, it was the best movie of the year. It was enjoyable popcorn fun, um, although it didn't make the most money, Chuck, because remember this year we had lots of sequels, you know, another Lord of the Rings, another Harry Potter, another Star Wars Attack of the Clones, another Men in Black, another Bond. You know, these all came out this year, made tons of money. None of them very memorable. Um, I I did enjoy Die Another Day, although it wasn't great. Halle Berry, enough said. Right. And I'm a I'm a Pierce Brosnan fan, but none of those other sequels really stood out as much. And I I did not expect to see the Lord of the Rings, the two towers on your list at all. No, no, not at I'm all. Not a, listen, I, I, I got to be honest. The, the Lord of the Rings franchise for me, the first two were painful. I just find them so bloated and overlong. I, I can't get through them. And this was the also the, one, the third one, which won the Oscar for Best Picture is better. But like when you say to me, great trilogies, it, that doesn't pop in my head. Well, this me, is also this is this is also the year that somehow Adrian Brody, Adrian Brody took the Academy Award away from Daniel Day Lewis for the pianist, which absolutely yeah. made no sense. And they and if the Academy is another one, if the Academy had to do it all over again, would they give one to Roman Polanski in this day and age? No, he won Best Director. Oh, yeah, he, would, oh, he wouldn't show up. No. over And the one thing and it's well, not he, on our list. He, was, he, well, he didn't show up because he was. He, a, he no, was, he uh, couldn't. He can't come into countries. Would, He'll get arrested. Know, right. Um, the I one know. thing that's interesting is it's not on either one of our lists. And I know we both enjoy it, but the best picture of the year was Chicago. Um, and it is a very good movie. It just missed my yeah. list. Yeah, um, me too. You know, you're not a big musical guy. So I know how you were. No, I am. But I, I, I don't to me, I don't rate that as I don't. It's not for me. West Side Story or Hairspray. Yeah. And remember, Jack Nicholson, one of his last really strong films about Schmidt. He he didn't get the Academy Award for Best Actor. Either. I, I, when you say that, I think Kathy Bates Newt scene. Yeah, I think that took a lot of the votes away from him, maybe oh, yeah, yeah, for yeah. that film. Okay. Um, yeah, after that, he would do the the Scorsese movie, right? And we haven't seen Jack in quite some time, Chuck. And um, he's he's one of those guys that's definitely missed on the big screen. 
but about Schmidt, that's a good movie about Schmidt. It's, it's a, not only very, is he missed on the big screen, I'm gonna I miss him. I miss him to death. Him the, sitting in the front row with the Oscars. It's not the same. It's not. It just is not the same. It's not. The old Hollywood star power is just not there. They're, well, overall, it, it just in it, no. in general in the theaters. Not at the Oscars. It's not there. It's not. I there. don't think it's anywhere. I don't think it's in theaters either. I don't think there's movie stars anymore. Um, not yeah, really. the last movie and, he and did, we, and we have and we have to have that burning, lasting memory in our brain of Faye Dunaway. Yeah. And 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 Warren Beatty. Yeah. Watching the best. I, I mean, yeah. in, in, in a moment that will live in horrible infamy in Oscars. It really will. Last Jack Nicholson movie, 2010. How do you know? Which was a James Brooks movies, right? James L. Brooks movie didn't didn't do anything that bombed. He's got a small part in it. I I think the bucket list did pretty well, right? He did that in 07. That was a him and Morgan Freeman. It's very uh, it's a lot of fluff. Yeah, there's a lot of fluff. Not much to it. But of course, The Departed, he's fantastic in. And it was just incredible in that film um, in 06. So kind of. Change a little bit the pacer, but let's go through our top 10 of 2002 real quick before we sign off. My number t- 10, Bowling for Columbine. Nine, Minority Report. Eight, The Mothman Prophecies. Seven, The Sum of All Fears. Six, Insomnia. Five, Panic Room. Number four, Signs. Number three, to ad- Adaptation. Number two, Catch Me If You Can. And number one, Spider-Man. Good list. My number 10, Insomnia. Number nine, The Rookie with Dennis Quaid. Number eight, Cabin Fever. Number seven, uh, Red Dragon, number six, Gangs of New York, number five, 25th Hour, Spike Lee, number four, Catch Me If You Can, Steven Spielberg, number three, Panic Room, number two, Signs, number one, Spider-Man. That was a, a good fun list. Show, Mike. A lot of similarities. Good list. A good year overall, 2002. It was. Yep. Chuck, we'll do it all over again next week. Mike, uh, always a pleasure to the audience. Thank you very much for listening to us. Thanks for listening to Movie Maniacs. Download one of our archived episodes. Be sure to subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts. Podcasts by Federated Media.